Welcome to Ed Talks, an audio podcast presented by Achieve Minneapolis and the Citizens League. Ed Talks is a lively series of community conversations in the Twin Cities about issues impacting our young people and public education and creative strategies and opportunities to support and advocate for our youth. Each Ed Talks features two compelling short presentations by cutting edge educators, youth advocates, students, artists, community leaders, and others who care deeply about young people, their well being, and success. Ed Talks is supported by generous grants from the Bush Foundation and Comcast. This Ed Talk focuses on the Voices Framework how student stories can transform schools. Our speakers are Amber Hansen from the Voices Framework and Mortensen Family Foundation, and Josh Frazier, principal at Brooklyn Center Middle School and High School STEAM. They share how the Voices Framework project, which creates video interviews with students about key issues such as diversity, race, and school culture, can transform adult understanding about the issues students face and unlock new ways to improve student achievement and strengthen school culture. This Ed Talk was recorded in front of a live audience at Ice House in Minneapolis on November 18th, 2019. Good evening, everyone. That was amazing. I just want to give them another round of applause. That was absolutely awesome. Thank you. So inspiring. Thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, we are really excited to be here as well. Again, again, my name is Ambar Cristina Hansen, and um, I've been working in education for a while, but I am here for first and foremost really as a parent. We talk about personalized learning, student-centered learning. Those who are trying to be responsive dive deep into student data from discipline to test scores to family and student surveys. And yet year after year, we continue to see little to no change in the results of the outcomes of our students. It's time for us to do something different. Our students are rising. We just saw how powerful that presentation was. They are leading from gun control to environmental justice to racial justice and social justice movements. And yet those of us who have the opportunity to be with them every single day, we miss the boat. We miss the boat on listening to them and truly seeing them, and therefore we miss the boat on perhaps learning from them. Now I know all of you in here value listening and know the importance of listening, but way too often our adultism and our ageism gets in the way. I can tell you this from a personal perspective. I, was, uh, I went to a retreat with my daughter um, a few months ago, and my charge was to just follow her. I'm gonna show you a picture of her here. Whoops. That's my daughter, Carmen Olivia, she's 10. I have a 13-year-old son as well. I went to this retreat, and my charge was to just follow her. She got to do whatever she wanted and say whatever she wanted, provided everything was safe. And if I had any issue with it, I had to kind of take a step back and check in with some other adults there. It made me realize how little I knew her, how little I understood her struggles, how powerful and brilliant and resilient she is, 
And yet, I was either ignorant of some of that, or worse yet, tampering, because I, as an adult, know best. Now, don't get me wrong, as adults, we have some experience and we know a few things, but we have failed our children miserably. In fact, the Search Institute has identified 40 positive supports and strengths that students need, and we are really good at boundaries. We are really good at boundaries, but we often fail or fall short at the rest of these categories. Now, I'm from the Dominican Republic, and when I came here and started doing organizing and social justice work, one of the things that we always held on to was the African proverb that says, nothing about us, nothing without us about, is about us, nothing about us without us is for us, right? You've all heard that. We tend to really hold on to that when it comes to some of the work we're doing as adults, but we forget to engage our students in learning when it's about them. Our children have been trying to get our attention, but often don't feel safe in sharing without being judged, talked down to, or ignored. And much like I needed some support and help to be able to truly listen to my kid, we need some tools to help us understand the power of truly listening to our students. So it's time for us to take a step back. It's time for us to just shut up and listen, right? It's time for us to have some real conversations about what needs to change in our school system. And so we can really have the opportunity to get to the real truth stories of our students to make real change. Too often, we're starting at the head level. And don't get me wrong, stats and data are all really important. But it's at the heart level that really we can make change. Now, I had to watch a whole bunch of videos in preparation for this Ed Talk. And in this process, I heard from students who shared how they enjoyed their teachers that made learning exciting and showed them they cared. One shared a great formula. There you have it. Show up happy and show me some respect. Not rocket science, right? But if students are saying this, this says a lot in and of itself. Some students sh share that some teachers act like robots and treat them like widgets. They see when teachers don't interrupt racism or homophobia, and it makes them feel unsafe. They shared how it feels to be singled out in a classroom and humiliated in front of their peers. They shared similar stories to the ones that you just heard, but they also shared what it feels like to be seen by teachers and how that motivated, to want to do, motivated them to want to do better. Now, these were not my students, but much like I was moved to tears just a few minutes ago, these videos really moved me to tears. These students moved me to tears, and it made me want to do something different. Imagine having the opportunity to really see your students, talking about your schools. When, ki when kids speak their truth, it is absolutely disarming. And we need to find more ways to get at their truth. So this is why I'm really excited today to introduce Principal Josh Fraser. He's going to speak to his experience incorporating student voice in his district and the impact that Voices has had to date.
I've been in Minnesota for 22 years now, and I often hear folks say this is the land of coalitions and no action. <laughs> it's true. Josh, though, recognized that data can only take you so far, and stories, on the other hand, provide another layer of context that humanizes the, experience, the, the experiences and pushes us to move change. For Josh, listening to students and doing something was an urgent matter. So please join me in welcoming Josh as he shares how his team used the Voices tool and videos to start changing school culture, elevating accountability, and creating a space in which students can really, truly be at the center and can thrive. Thank you. Thanks for that energy. I appreciate that. Um, but thank you so much for that introduction. And I just want to, I'm, I'm really humbled to be here uh, to speak. Um, so if we're really talking about student voices, um, students should be up here and you all did that. I'm not necessarily here to talk about the student voices. I'm here to talk about the adult learning that happened with both myself as someone who's learning how to lead a building of uh, a thousand students, but also the adult learning that happened with all of our staff and are still learning. Um, so I just appreciated the, oh, jeez. Hold that thought. I appreciated uh, the stories that you all shared today. Uh, the, I'm sitting here thinking like, I just want our school to be like a mega black box theater. That's what I want. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, so yeah, and, and I, I get frustrated all the time just through like what the, all the decisions we make and I'm, I'm gonna go through a bunch of rants I'm sure as I'm talking, I've tried to organize my thoughts in a presentation, but there's a rant I really wanna start with uh, and that has to do with uh, my learning as a father. Uh, so I've learned, I've got currently about an 18 month old, I, I stopped keeping track. Um, <laughs> and. So I used to be all about technology when I was a teacher, uh, integrating technology in my classroom. Um, and I, as a principal, that was like my thing, like, oh, we gotta transform BC, uh, get one-to-one, -one, all this other stuff. And I realized over time as a principal how much I'm struggling internally and as a father with technology. Um, number one, I'm really struggling with all this information. I have an eighth grader, too, who goes to BC. Um, all the information he has at his fingertips that he's not quite ready for, and all the data that he's sharing out that uh, people can get access to. So I've been freaking out quite a bit. And before my 18-month-old was born, I told my wife, uh, he is not going to have a device until he graduates high school. <laughs> That's my son, Joshua James. That's his iPad, which he got a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I gave in. And it was a struggle for, for about four or five months, because my wife really wanted it to happen a long time ago. Um, but my ignorance as a father um, is the almost identical ignorance that I currently am digging through as an educator. Uh, and this, this is coupled with power, which is a big problem uh, in oppressive institutions like schools and like what we're trying to create the opposite of at BC. Um, so you know, I think what we do is we look at, oops, sorry. Uh, we look at this gap, and we learned a lot about this gap, and I'm going to share what we learned about this gap. It's the perception of the schooling experience. As adults, and at, at Brooklyn Center, we have this perception of what kids are experiencing school, how they're experiencing school. 
and it's much different than the way they are truly experiencing school, as we heard right before we started speaking. Now, this perception gap is significantly wider uh, in schools like Brooklyn Center, where racial demographics, cultural demographics are not shared between adults and students. In BC, we have 85% uh, of our staff are white. 90% uh, of our students are students of color. So that perception that we, we have is much wider because of that, and that makes this work, the work that you all are doing, even more important. So our, our goal currently, and through the Voices Project really was the catalyst for us, is to find that piece, the piece that's gonna close that gap for us, um, and we're in that journey right now, and I'm, I'm gonna humbly say right now, we do not have answers. I am not up here to tell you Brooklyn Center has figured it out. We haven't. We haven't. We have a lot of work to do, but we've, we've really set ourselves up for a trajectory. So we hear a lot about um, putting kids first. This is in mission statements. When you ask uh, uh, educators to say what you believe, I believe that all students should learn. We hear that a lot, but what we don't often see in learning spaces is this idea that voice story should allow for students to have power th through lessons and instruction so that kids truly are at the center. We don't really see that. As Amba was talking about, we collect a lot of data. Uh, as adults, we actually choose, believe it or not, the data we want to collect. And we put them in little categories, and then we click on the button, and we sort kids into those things. I mean, that's, that's a whole other head talk. However, if we know that, and we collect lots of uh, data, and then we make decisions on data, we're, we're missing one huge piece. And that piece, it's actually the only real piece that matters if you're collecting data, and that's our kids. Uh, these are my, my, some of my students currently, a couple graduates that participated in the project. And just looking at this, uh, you're going to hear a little bit of their stories today. Uh, but looking at this and, and thinking back to their stories has completely transformed who I am today because of our work. So I want to take you back to the beginning of last school year, school year 19. Uh, we made it um, our goal. Simply, well, we had four specific goals, but one of them was increasing student voice. That was it. It was our goal last year to increase student voice, which is cool. Yeah, I mean, you could snap at that. It was cool, but I'm going to tell you how much I don't like it anymore. Uh, we, we created a whole bunch of projects. Uh, Dr. Lafayette's in the crowd. She was working with us in a lot of these. Uh, we, we enhanced our, our centaur council. Yep, we're the centaurs. Anybody know what? Yeah, those centaurs. Uh, we enhanced our Centaur Council, which is our student council, to dig beyond just surface-level projects. Um, we were <coughs> working to bring Dare to be Real. We included st uh, students in our interview process. A whole bunch of projects, but we, we realized about this time last school year that it wasn't enough. And what we were doing was a lot of incremental projects that weren't creating catalysts for change. Then, it was almost like it was... Um, it was serendipitous to a point where we ran into a project called the Voices Framework. Um, the Voices Framework was introduced to us as leaders at Brooklyn Center around our, our purpose and alignment with our goal of increasing student voice. So we connected for a while about what their mission was um, at Captivate Media and Vo the Voices Project. And their mission was simply um, to use student story to enact change. It was a very simple alignment for us, and I heard something in that very simplistic mission that could elevate our goal of just simply increasing student voice. So we decided to partner, 
And in this partnership, I wanna, I'm actually going to take you through the three phases of our partnership and, and the work. Um, and then I want to actually introduce some of the student stories. So this, the, the first phase that we went through was all about learning our story. Uh, raise your hand if you know where Brooklyn Center is. Raise your hand, keep your hand up if you've been to Brooklyn Center High School, middle school. We're at 612 building. Okay, more than I thought. Most people are like, where's that? I don't know where Brooklyn Center is. We're a gem, we're a hidden gem. Come stop by, we have a brand new front office. Check it out. <laughs> uh, it was very important for me uh, to have Captivate Media come and learn about Brooklyn Center, learn who we were. Um, because we didn't want this project to just be something we put up on a poster and said, this is important, let's get increased student voice. We said we did it, now let's move on to something else. So they sat and met with us to learn about who our kids were. They met with our teachers. They spent time in our hallways and our spaces, looked at our goals, looked at our data, and they, that helped them to decide what questions and interviews they wanted to dig deep with students with. Now, <clears throat> also at Brooklyn Center, we have, actually I would say I have a bit of an ego, um, and I have an ego sometimes for our staff to, because I believe that we are really good at building relationships. It's something I, I believe we thrive on. So when we first interacted, I said, I have, if you guys are gonna do this project, I better be surprised on what I'm hearing from our students. And I was, and it, it was one thing that we learned a lot in the beginning of the school year, is students still are telling us what we wanna hear even if they love us. They're still telling us what we want to hear. So our hope was through this project we would get beyond that. Um, then we chose students. Uh, we are a 612 building. We chose 30 total students. 10 students in grades 6 through 8th grade, 10 students only in 9th grade, and 10 students 10 through 12th grade. And we chose that on purpose because we wanted to get a full picture of the student's schooling experience in our community. Uh, we then worked with students to help them understand the project and create communications for our, our community. Phase two was the actual interviews. Each of those 30 students was interviewed for 30 minutes uh, around their schooling experience. In those interviews, um, I'll just say after every one, Jake and Stan who are here tonight with Captivate would come down to my office and say you were like just emotional wear on their face. So I knew right then and there that this was gonna be something that would help us create some change. Um, after the videotaping, obviously they edited into some shorter video clips for each of those set groups of students. Um, and then the students get to approve the video, and this is critical for building long-term trust. If, if we're gonna take a video of students and capture their story, it has to be their story. This isn't for marketing. So students were able to say, yep, that's my story, or no, you need to, I said this, how come you didn't include this? And they made some final edits, and then we had um, our product that we could then facilitate discussions. So that's phase three. This is what changed us, the adult conversations. We spent uh, over two weeks in facilitated discussions with showing each of the videos to our staff members. And we started the facilitation uh, around this question, how are you feeling? And it was, it was incredible to hear the array of emotions that adults had. And I, honestly, some of it was a little crazy in my opinion. But I wanna, I wanna explain it. So we had, we had staff that actually were, were angry and were resentful for actually doing the project in February during the significant move that we had um, with classrooms. Um, they were mad because um, they didn't believe that, they believed we purposely chose students to speak. Um, then we had a, a large group of staff whose perceptions were much different than students, but they were more in shock. 
they were surprised and they were actually hurt because they thought they knew kids. And then we had a group of staff who were affirmed, said that was my schooling experience. That's exactly how I currently feel as an employee, as a staff member, as an adult, as a teacher. And that was extremely uh, powerful. Um, those discussions that, that we went through completely changed the, the culture for two weeks. And what it did is it created uncomfort. And we could not, we could not stay, or we had to stay in that uncomfort. So we had to figure out some uh, short-term changes that we could make in the moment to keep that feeling of uncomfort going through the rest of the school year, which we did. Uh, based on what our students told us that we're not, we're not loving them, we're not in relationship for real, we don't have high expectations, and they laid it out for us raw. We were able to, to get some content and actually explore what that meant um, in, in a daily basis in classrooms. So we've, we picked up uh, Lisa Delpit's work with Multiplication is for White People and unpacked what love relationships is, what high expectations is. And that kept that uncomfort going to the fact that some people actually chose not to be a part of our community anymore because of that feeling. And that was okay, that's okay. Um, I think one of the most important things was the follow-up recommendations. We got a list of recommendations from the students on what to do next. We turn these recommendations into what we now call our playbook, which are a series of four, well first it's a whole bunch of values that we aspire to be based on what the students said, four priorities, 25 projects. Every single one of them is aligned in some way, shape, or form to some of the feedback that students provided in their stories and experiences. And we showed them that. That was critical for this year maintaining trust because they said before, every time we share something, nothing changes. So we had to show, here's the playbook, here's what we're doing, and now we update them regularly, and now we we're starting to get that change. We're like, now I wanna come share, now I wanna be real, now I wanna tell you who we are and what we need. So we went from this idea of student voice, the top of the iceberg, into this depth of truly understanding that uh, it's not about voice for the adult. Yes, the voice is important, but it's not about voice for us. This is about flipping the script, truly of oppression and power. And so we, I want to actually, before I continue, I want to show uh, a couple uh, pieces of the video, if you could. All kids need an adult that will support them and just get them through some really hard times, you know? I know a lot of teachers that are so fun to be around, like they're, I love their class so much just because they make the room just light up. But then there's some teachers that um, don't really care and they're just kind of doing their job, you know? They think that we, like some of them think that we all learn the same. I just feel like, and I know that they try to understand how we are, but I feel like they're not putting their best and overall effort into it. It's like sometimes students feel like teachers are just here to just do their job and just get it over with. I feel like teachers have these already stereotypes or just like things installed into their head. Cause like when you've been teaching for a long time, especially here, you already have you feel like you know what to expect coming into the school year, so like, you're gonna think, he's not gonna wanna come to class, he's not gonna listen, he's not gonna do anything, so what's the point? If a student is acting a certain way, then there's always a reason why, 
You know, if a teacher's acting a certain way, there's always a reason why. You know, you gotta dig deeper and find what's initially starting the issue. The only struggles I really had here, personally, when I first got here in sixth grade was just um, my sexuality. And sometimes school is like the only place where some people feel to be free to be themselves and you wanna have that type of space. My grandpa died last year and then my friend got shot at a party. I still gotta do my work and I still gotta be Jared, but I can't let y'all see that and y'all don't understand. Y'all might be like, why is this grade dropping? Like, I can't tell, I don't feel comfortable telling y'all. Y'all don't even feel comfortable teaching me, so that's what I'm supposed to do. I need my teachers to just believe in where I'm going. Y'all just gotta show them that they can make it a lot, of like a lot of kids, they don't have that mentality that they can't make it. Like they don't know, they don't know what to do. Like they want to do some, or they want to do their work, or they want to be a good student, but they don't know how to. And the teachers that can make a learning environment fun and just make you want to be there, that just makes you want to come. So it's really important to me. You guys are not only making us better students, but you guys are making us better people. And I feel like if we have people that um, that are building us in the right way, we could change the future. So uh, this this is uh, this reality over here on that finger. Um, this is this is what we wanted to to get at. We created some creative tension, some uncomfort, and what we didn't have. We, we excuse me. We used to plan our projects, our priorities around the adult reality. The adult reality, which is mostly white the systems that we create, which are mostly grounded in whiteness, and then we create this future vision. Now our reality has completely changed because we had some significant um, stories, experiences. Now that was just one year of doing it, but now our future vision is not just the, the adults in the space, it's the entire community. And that's the change we feel this year. Now we still haven't got those student outcomes that we need, but this was a catalyst to continue to help us grow in that sense. Um, I wanted to share this year, if you can uh, see this, we had uh, three criteria because now th this is all of a sudden a buzz. Our students want to participate in everything. So before adults say that we're going to inc include student voice, there has to be three things that you have, to, you have to say about yourself and ask yourself if you're willing to do this, to actually flip power. Number one, if you're going to get voice, we want them to be able to make the decisions. Number two, as adults, you're probably going to have to do something in your role to serve and act on those decisions. And number three, we have to flip the script. We have to flip the power. And here's a good example. Uh, one of the students in the videos, along with some of her uh, students, now we do not have a, a large population of white students, but they were all white students, and they wanted to start a group, a group that was woke or could be allies in what they're now calling co-conspirators in our work with anti-racism and racial equity. And instead of, so they started this, they asked, can we do this? Yep. Here's your space. And then we, we let them go, and they're crafting their space to do this. I had some adults say, well, we gotta, we got to make sure we have like two adults in there, and we, we write the script for them. And it's like, nope, here's your space. Go to work. Help yourself. We need to get out the way. And that's really the essence of the journey we're on now is how does that, how can we and me leading it release our power to these beautiful people so they, they can create the culture of our school? And that's, that's really what I wanted to convey about our learning and our journey. But thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Josh.
Well, as you can all see, it is possible for us to start doing things differently. We've seen a couple of tools in that toolbox with the black box theater, black box theater with the voices tool. And I know that I opened this ed talk as a parent, but I want to close as a 15-year-old survivor of teen dating violence who was saved by her 15-year-old peers. That is the power of our young people. I'm closing as the former kid who had to move five times between the ages of 10 and 15. I'm closing as the kid who got kicked out of two, almost three, got, got to leave on my own on the third time, schools. And I'm closing as the kid who, in spite of having adults around me that had great intention, they really didn't have a lot of great attention for me. I'm closing as the young person who would have given anything to be seen and truly heard. I'm also closing as your peer, as a professional who knows you have all seen the data that shows that social and emotional learning is critical, not only in supporting our students build resilience, but also empathy. The research that shows that when we connect with students, trust their leadership, provide them with support, and warmly demand they do their very best in their schoolwork and as leaders, they rise to the occasion. So let's practice what we preach and start modeling for our kids that another world is actually possible. Thank you. Ed Talks is presented by Achieve Minneapolis and the Citizens League. Thanks to our generous sponsors, the Bush Foundation and Comcast. For more information on Ed Talks, to watch Ed Talks videos, or listen to more audio podcasts, visit achievempls.org slash edtalks.